0: hello folks this is princess you are listening to the millennial mustard
1: seed podcast thanks for listening don't forget to share with your friends okay we are back at it again i'm so happy that you guys are here with me for another episode i have ron moorhead Listen, he's traveled the world doing research on the unexplained, undiscovered, and unexplored. He is recognized around the globe for the best Bigfoot Sasquatch audio recordings, known as the Sierra Sounds. Yeah, you heard me right. The Sierra Sounds. We have Ron Moorhead here. This recording, you guys, you got to hear it for yourself. It's about halfway through the episode, but listen, buckle your seatbelt. This is going to be a ride to remember. Let's jump right into the show, guys. I'm really excited for the show tonight. Ron, thanks for being here.
0: I really appreciate you inviting me on. i just love to talk about it and, and hopefully uh, bring some, some enlightenment to myself and to other people. What I have to say rings true, and I hope it does because it's true.
1: I want to start off by asking you, how did you start this unique journey that you've been on for quite some time?
0: Yeah, it started uh, for me, Rod, in 1971 when I was invited into a remote uh, area of the Sierra Nevada Mountains. My friends were hunters at the time and they had encountered these beings or creatures or whatever you want to call them. They're huge and uh, around their hunting camp. And this is uh, eight miles into the wilderness, uh, 8,400 feet in elevation. So the only excesses in the summertime, springtime through fall. And, uh, so anyway, uh, one of the guys got scared off so bad when he first heard these sounds that he wouldn't go back by himself. And the men were a day late coming out and, uh, he invited me to go back with him, uh, so that the wives wouldn't worry so much that, cause at that time he didn't know what you were dealing with. I mean, they were not looking for Bigfoot. None of us were, uh, it, it's a hunting camp and that's what they were there for. So, uh, but these things came around the camp making their huge sounds and, uh, They've seen the huge footprints they left, but they're very elusive. They're very fast, but they have a huge voice, as you'll hear on the recording I sent you. And just uh, it can be kind of concerning because again, you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know if they're going to come and eat you or carry you away, or, or just how how you're going to defend yourself. Even though you got high-powered guns with you, and we all carry guns all the time, but uh, you don't know that the guns are going to be really effective as big as these things are. So that's how it started. Uh, In 1972, we had a reporter going up there uh, really just to try to help us resolve what was going on and what it was, because we had started reading about Bigfoot at that time during the winter, and uh, he uh, ended up, actually went up there looking, thinking it was a hoax, as so many people think, or did think, and uh, he couldn't discover the hoax because, well, first of all, it wasn't a hoax, and he, he couldn't figure out how anybody could be doing what they were doing. His name was Alan Berry. He ended up writing a book about that in 1978, I think it was. But he took the sounds and he actually uh, started trying to get some uh, some science behind them, figure out if they're fake or real, one way or the other. He didn't care. He just wanted to know. And uh, he got uh, Professor Curl at the University of Wyoming to study them for a year. And he came out with a, quite a statement on them as far as uh, they were real. They were not faked. They were not speeded up. They were not slowed down. They were just incredible how, how they compare to the human vocal track and all that stuff and so anyway that was a big job you know, academically for Alan because he's, he's had a master's degree in science himself but he knew what this might represent none of us really had a concept that I didn't anyway had a concept of what this really what it really meant uh, not that we still do but we've got a better idea now at least I do Alan Berry passed away a few years ago and he became a good friend of mine after that and uh, so Anyway, I've been on this trek since since that almost 50 years now, so it's been quite a adventure. I've kind of chased around all over the world looking for what other countries have the same reports, and I find out just about every country has some type of a giant associated with it. Where's the Yahweh in, in Australia, where's the uh, urine in China, or the Wild Man in, in uh, Nepal, I've been in Siberia, and uh, they've all got these stories about seeing these things. It's interesting. It's been quite a journey for me. I'm 78 years old now, and uh, it's, it's just quite exciting, really, because I, I kind of just draw some lines through my little dots on my map when I put these things together, trying to get a picture of what these things might be. I'm a Christian. I was a Christian at the time I first encountered these things, as, as all of us were, a very sober camp up there. And uh, I started looking into the Bible of what giants represent, what they are and how they got here and stuff like that. So I kind of got into ancient texts now, Greek mythology, a little bit in the Veda, and just interesting how so many texts, ancient texts, talk about giants and how they warred with giants, how giants came down from the sky. Fallen angels, they call it, in Genesis, the biblical version. And it's just uh, (laughs) quite... Quite interesting to me. I get excited when I talk about you. Give me all a roll here in a minute.
1: I want to get you in the zone. <laughs> I want you to to be firing on all cylinders here for the audience.
0: <laughs> That's how it started for me, and uh, I started speaking at conventions after we got some more credibility behind these. Uh, the Dr. Curran's report was credible, but talking about that still didn't, still didn't sway uh, the scientific community that these things existed. Even the Patterson film of 1967, which is the female walking through the Bluff Creek area, that doesn't persuade science. Uh, a cryptolinguistic uh, study from a, a two-time graduate of the Cryptolinguistic School of uh, Foreign Languages uh, came out and interviewed Ms. Mr. Barry and myself. And uh, he got copies of the original sounds and he ended up studying them. And he claimed that this is a language by the human definition of language which is very, very important, I think, to us. Because only humans, according to Philip Lieberman, Dr. Lieberman from Brown University, only humans are supposed to have the vocal tract to create spoken, sapient language, as we do. These things have that. Now, that tells me a couple things. Either they're part human, uh, they're, we know the sounds weren't fake, uh, so there's something else going on on this planet so many people aren't accepting yet. And I know when I was in South America with uh, L.A. Missoula, we was walking the streets of Cusco, I think it was, and I mentioned how uh, it says in Luke how Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so should also be the second coming. Well, you start studying, well, what was it like in the days of Noah? Well, as it was in the days of Noah means that fallen angels were coming down and messing with the, the genome of God's people, and we are God's people. The human gen- genome is, God, is our God's. He created us in His image, and that means we have sapient language, and these things have sapient language, but they're, they're not like us. They're something else. So have they crossbred with us, as it was in the days of Noah, or have what have they done? What's going on? These things have been in for eons, and uh, at least I think they have, and some of them may have crossbred with the indigenous people, making them more human-like, which which would also say that they had 23 pairs of chromosomes um, instead of the 24, like other primates do.
1: This is very fascinating to me. This gets me very excited as well. There's something going on. When we read Genesis 6-4, the Hebrew word there is the Benieha Elohim and the Benath Adam, so two separate creatures. You know, we're talking about the, the offspring of Adam, humankind and then these angels. And when I first really started looking at that, Ron, there's question marks and excitement jumping off the page at me. I mean, a lot of pastors wanna wonder how you get more men to go to the Bible study in church. I mean, men are going and watching the new James Bond movie, the new Jurassic Park movie, but you can't get them into the Bible study. And I think if we look at the Bible as a whole, from front to back and just let it mean what it says and say what it means without us getting in the way, first Ezekiel. I mean, you don't even get a couple paragraphs in, and these cherubim that have multiple different heads, the head of a lion, the head of a man, the head of an ox, you know, head of an eagle, and they're wrapped in wings. All of this stuff has always had me on the edge of my seat. Your travel with L.A., when you guys were in Bolivia and Paracas, Peru, now there's elongated skulls. Can you tell me in the audience a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, they had been found, actually, a guy named uh, Brian Forrester hosted us down there he lives in paracas peru and uh these uh, elongated skulls when these grave diggers uh, dig them up they take them to some museum private museum and sell them they're actually looking for artifacts of any kind but they know there's uh, some interest in elongated skulls and this one guy uh senior juan who has a had a uh, museum there in paracas has several of them and they're not like they're just one or two there's there's really hundreds of these around out there and uh, It's it's just interesting. We went down there with one scientist in 2013, and we weighed the skulls. Uh, Senor Juan gave us permission to uh, to do that and to check them out, and we found out uh, that they're just they're not totally human. They're hybrids, and hybrids meaning they're part human, and they are. We've got that DNA now a little bit out thanks to Brian Forrester, and so uh, however the DNA comes out comes out. uh, over by Turkey somewhere, uh, Siberia, wherever it is, and uh, how they got across over there two, three thousand years ago is another story. But um, we studied the skulls, looked at them, weighed them, and found out that they had close to thirty percent more brain matter by the elongation than uh, than humans do. And uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, they're cradleboarded," you know. That's what the Incas did. Well, yeah, the Incas did do that. But why did they do that? They did that just like the Egyptians did also. Several cultures do that, trying to get the same benefits that the Paracas people uh, had, which was, we think, responsible for the uh, megalithic structures that are all over South America, things that we cannot imagine how they did it. Uh, I personally think they did it through sound frequency, but that's because I'm into quantum physics a little bit, and I, I know you can move things with sound, you can change matter with sound. But anyway, they don't have but one parietal bone on the top of their head, these Elongated skulls. Now, the uh, Inca people did elongate them, like I said, on purpose, their royalty, thinking they would get the same benefits that the pre Inca people had that created those megalithic structures and the anomalies you see all over South America. Until you see that with your own eyes, though, you're kind of okay, it's just somebody talking, well, or somebody making a film, but you go down and see where you can't even get a, a credit card in between two rocks that are over a hundred ton apiece and they're put together like a jigsaw puzzle and stretch out for a quarter mile. Oh my. It it turns your head because you realize this is all over down there and uh, it just it's really impressive. Again they have a single parietal. We have two parietals one on each side, you know, two sides to our brain. These are just a single parietal Um, in 2000 and also they had two little pinholes in the back of their head which don't know what that was all about in the skull. But in 2014, I went down there with another scientist, and he corroborated the same thing that we had the year before. They're about 30% more brain matter. But the thing is, when the Incas elongated their, their royalty babies with uh, cradle boarding, they didn't go more brain matter. They just got a long skull, same brain. <laughs> so they didn't get the benefits of whatever the <laughs> crinkled people had. So anyway, it was uh, it's fun. It was fun. I had a good time down there. We stayed down quite a while. Took a man named Joe Taylor down there, and he. Uh, he's probably one of the best in the world at uh, forming skulls uh, from a bone matter. And uh, we got permission to do that from uh senior Juan And he actually gave us permission also to unravel a, a, a mummified one, which again, once you take it, take it apart and see what's really there, you realize this wasn't cradleboard. You know, it was just... and another time later on, they found a, a female in a tomb who had been pregnant, and died that way. And the, The fetus inside was elongated, so we know something's going on. And from a from a culture that's uh, technologically more advanced than we were or we are, able to do things that we don't know how they did it. And you see those things with your own eyes, and it just kind of makes your head spin a little bit and say, "Okay, aliens have been here. Something made this happen." (laughs) Um, We flew over the Nazca lines. Uh, We went into Bolivia also. We've, we've been all over down there looking at this stuff, and quite uh, quite compelling. If anybody gets a chance to go down there, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend Brian Forrester. He's got books too on the area, and I had a filming company want to take me down there. I said, well, it's a long trip. It takes a long time to get there. You got to fly into Lima, Peru, and from Lima you have to take a four-hour drive down the down the coastline to Paracas just to see the skulls. And Senor Juan has passed away now too, since then. And from Lima, if you don't want to go to and you just want to go up to Cusco and get into, uh, uh, you know, Ollantaytambo or some of these places uh, where megalithic structures are up in the higher country, you fly into Cusco. And the airport up there is over 12,000 feet in elevation. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a, a challenge getting used to it. You have to acclimate yourself to the altitude before you can even walk around up there. So we spend a day just waiting to, for something to kick in so we can handle the air, the light air, I should say. But it's fun and exciting.
1: Do you think that Sasquatch or Bigfoot has a connection with any other cryptids that are found around the world? Dogman, the Beast of Bray Road here in the States. There's a couple different creatures that have quite the reputation. But do you think there's a connection?
0: Well, let's back up just a little bit, Rod. Does anybody here not believe that uh, other people and entities from the cosmos exist? UFOs, aliens? I think we all have been exposed now. By our governments are finally releasing some of these files they've kept under covers for so long that aliens have been here. There's more than one type according to the astronauts I've been listening to and the people that have been studying this, the people who have encountered these beings. Have they messed with the genome of this planet, of the creatures and the species on this planet? Yes, they have, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of hybrids here. Bigfoot could be one of them. He he may be a remnant from uh from the Nephilim. Uh, there's a way he could have got through the flood, even though everything was died except Noah and his, uh, and his family. But you get into my book, The and Bigfoot, and it gets into the way that, that perhaps a recessive gene could have came through Ham's wife, one of uh, Noah's sons. And there was millions of people on Earth when that happened. However, if that didn't happen, and everything was completely pure like it was supposed to be through uh, Enoch's line of uh, Noah, uh, then you got you got the aliens fallen ones, whatever you want to call them could have came here again. They got three cho- free choice you know they can do just like we do we have free choice to make our decisions one way or the other. They, if they did that once there's nothing to keep them from doing it again. there's nothing to keep them from doing it nowadays and I think possibly they are here. I think that could have been what we were dealing with in the Sierra Nevada Mountains was something very alien. Because I hear reports now from all these people. I've been taking interviews and interviewing people for fifty years almost, and you hear so many different reports. You can't ignore them all. You can you can say some of them are just You walk into a room and they got candles lit all over the place, you know, and they're sitting there with a with aluminum cap on or something. You know, something probably a little bit fishy about this place. <laughs> so that's where you put your flag up, but. But again, uh, the too many reports saying the same thing from different people who don't know each other, and you got to give it some, some credence and pay attention to it. So I do, and uh, I've kind of put it together. That there are different types of these beings called Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call them, the different types of them, uh, from different uh, alien intervention. And uh, they are hybrids, I believe all of them are. If you really want to get into it, we're made in the image of God, the very uh, the very essence of consciousness and he gave us he gave us consciousness so i don't have anything against evolution even though a lot of religions will shoot me off the off the planet for saying that but i don't i think the chocolate ice did evolve that's pretty much a, a given by, by our science and yet something's happened to a lot of them they've been messed with the dna has been changed and a lot of them have been given different attributes. I think we've been given a very special attribute by, by the Supreme Creator, the Consciousness, God. And that's what we're made the image of. That's what gives us dominance on this planet. That's why we are who we are. I think it's very important that people understand who we are as human beings made in the image of God. And we got language like no one else is supposed to have. <laughs> These things do. At least the ones I encountered did. And that means there's a, uh, it's not just communication. Language is more important than that. It's, it's being able to speak. You have to have the hyoid bone connected to the tongue with the nerves into the brain system so that you can create a sapient sentence. That's a morphine stream of words, which, is, uh, which makes a sentence like we're talking right now. And other animals don't have that. These Bigfoot Sasquatch have that. So what gave them that? What entity gave them that? Is it crossbreeding with the, with the humans? Or the fallen angels that created the nephilims? Uh, or is it something else? Could they have just been straight aliens? I know we've seen other anomalies up there at the camp area that are unexplainable. Lights. Uh, I've seen a UFO up there once. And me and my friend did. And it's just, uh, to me, strange things are happening around these things. And I had to get into some type of science that answers those questions that we had. And so many people have had trackways just stopping, abruptly stopping. That's something I used to just kick people out when they said there was they said they saw one disappear. Well, nothing disappears, can it? Yes it can. According to quantum physics, things can disappear. Take the density away of something that weighs something that's really heavy and you won't you won't make a track anymore. Uh I get into that a little bit in my book. So it's it's just important that people don't kick me out with the baby water here. I I think, you know, there's been, a lot goes into this and you have to open your mind up and understand that quantum physics is a modern science. It's how everything actually works throughout the universe. Most of our studies and most of our researching that that classical researchers do is classical science, Newtonian physics, and it's based on, on everything being physical, material, measurable, predictable, and that's just not true. I was in a group, a group of a bunch of scientists. And I said, somebody here, if everything's measurable, tell me how far it is to the end of the universe. Nobody could do that. So I think I kicked me out of the club, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, i tell you what Nikola Tesla said one time, which I really love this statement. It's the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena will make more progress in one decade than all the previous centuries of its existence. That's Nikola Tesla. The creator of quantum mechanics, uh, Max Planck, he said, science will progress one science, one funeral at a time. That's what he said, one funeral at a time. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that's so true, because uh, I was listening to uh, somebody else, uh, Eric Van uh, Denk, earlier. He, he said, you know, until another group of scientists come in, younger ones who really want to stretch out and think a little bit, things don't change. And that's what's been changing, uh, is as, as a scientist dies and somebody fresh comes in, It makes things progress a little bit more and more things open up to the scientific community. So a lot of brilliance out there and these people just need to open up their minds, I think, and understand that there's more going on than meets our three-dimensional eyes. We live on a planet in a linear time zone, which basically, just for us, because linear time only exists in our three-dimensional reality. We think of yesterday as being here. We think of today as we're doing right now. We hope there's tomorrow. We're not sure, but that's what we hope for. Well, in space, time doesn't exist like that. And uh, that's hard for people to get their head around. It's hard for people to understand what the end of space could look like, what the end of the universe could look like, because you cannot imagine it in our three-dimensional makeup that we have. We've been given the attributes that we have. Christ tried to tell us, Jesus Christ tried to tell us how to get back to the Father. He said, I wish that all could be one with the Father as I am one with the Father. And when you Listen to some of those red letter editions, what Christ was really saying, and really delve into, to the scriptures. It all comes together, and it all comes together pretty nicely, I think. And we live in a very unique time right now with all the stuff going on. I think it's important that people realize just who we are and the planet we're on, primo planet of this solar system. Aliens want to be here; they've been being here for a long time. But I think aliens have a problem trying to acclimate their species to this environment. So they are. In, uh, there's a hybridization program going on, and that's where you hear about these alien reductions and stuff like that. And I firmly believe that because I've known some people pretty well that they won't go public with it, but they've been abducted. Uh, they say they have. Uh, Dr. Lear, who L.A. Missoula was quite well acquainted with down in Southern California, he's also passed away, but he, he performed, I think, 17 different operations from people who said they had been abducted. And he took out some implants from them that they didn't know what they were, but uh, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? They're doing this to acclimate their species to this planet, which is the jewel of the solar system. It's beautiful here. We've got rivers, mountains, streams. Oh, my goodness. We're, we're destroying this planet. I'm not out there hugging trees and all that stuff, but, but i got to tell you, uh, what's going on in this planet is not healthy. And That may be what's disturbing some of the aliens because they don't want us to screw this planet up any worse than what we're doing, in my opinion.
1: The Quantum Bigfoot, your book, is phenomenal, by the way. I haven't finished it, but I definitely went through the biblical perspective in chapter two, read through your introduction. It's very interesting to hear you speak about how we're on this linear time and that it exists for us right now. The Sierra sounds—they really creeped me out the first time I heard them. It sounds like a sapient language. Do you yes. take this as two creatures communicating to each other?
0: Yes, we had a human sound expert listen to that—that that one that you're going to play, her. and uh, she said it was a male and a female uh, having a little confrontation. And uh, but that's only one of hours and hours of these sounds that we have. And uh, there's all kinds of different sounds on them. We've recorded these things from 71 all the way through 76. We, I was going up there as often as I could get away. We didn't have encounters every time I went up there, but a lot of times we did, especially 72 and 74. we just heavy years with, with encounters. And we were recording them a lot. So we have a lot of, a lot of uh, re- recordings of these things. Yeah, that one is very rapid-sounding. They talk very, very fast, which also lends to the theory that their brain works faster than ours, does. That it's rapid chatter.
1: I'm going to play the rapid fire sequence that you sent me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know
1: if you do not it. don't you
0: Nothing. Don't going to take it. What's Don't.
1: Wow! <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, at the very end of that recording, it, it sounds like a human is saying, "Well, that's not nice." Did I catch yeah. that in there?
0: Yeah, yeah, that was Warren Johnson. He was he was the leader of our group. He we were getting a little bit bold at that time. think That was 1972 when that specific one was was recorded. He uh we he would open up the shelter door. We had a shelter built up there, and. Uh, yell out at him when he was there he would be the one that was doing all the talking none of us none of the rest of us would just to try to keep it uh, simple as we could and yeah that was him uh yelling, was talking back also he had a whistle exchange that i've got recorded that's really kind of cool he sings whistle through the vocal cavity not through their lips like we do and uh i think it's also a form of uh, communication more than just uh how do you do or something but uh, Anyway, it's, it's quite harmonic. Uh, we had that studied and that was established through the University of Wyoming when Dr. Curling did his report.
1: Now, I've heard you speak about hearing like car doors close out in the middle of nowhere, like uh, like other strange sounds. Now, the rapid fire that we just listened to, it sounds like at some points this Sasquatch is trying to mimic a Rottweiler, maybe or a dog barking. Like, like it's kind of webbed into the vocals. I mean, that's kind of what I hear. Uh-huh. I really want to ask you, have you had any supernatural experiences other than the encounter with Sasquatch while out there?
0: Yes, absolutely. That's what got me into quantum physics, because classical science does not does not address those things, how they could be happening. You'd see balls of light. Uh, people call them orbs now. Uh, 2016 when I was up there, we had this little tent set up because we didn't sleep in the shelter. It was just dark. Uh, we had the tent open. It was a nice night. And this light about three foot long, like light—I call it a lifesaver, like Star Wars, comes floating by our tent. And it, we watched it for several seconds, maybe up to a minute, and it was just slowly moving between the trees. And uh, nobody's there. I mean, my gosh, it's just... How do you explain that? What do you do with that? (laughs) Where do you put it? It's in, uh, and like you said, I did hear a car door slam one time when it was inside the shelter. There was no cars up there. You can't get up there like that. And you can't even get a motorcycle up there. I mean, you're not allowed to anyway. It's National Park, National Forest, I should say. Anyway, yeah, a lot of strange things happen. You hear a big whirling sound like a huge, huge tuning fork. Above your head, and this in the daytime, you start looking around. You don't see anything. You cannot find the source of that sound. So, how does that, how does that happen? I mean, what's going on? It has to be something extraordinary, extra. Uh, I don't like the word paranormal, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> to me, paranormal is just something we don't understand yet. It's it's a matter of trying to understand it. And so, these people that want to just kick this stuff out, through, uh, through the baby water, like I said before, just just go ahead and bury yourself in the sand if you want to put your head down there and understand the way things work is through physics. And not that you have to be a physicist, you don't, I'm not a physicist, but believe me, uh, I I know enough about it to tell you that that's how everything works. It goes right on. That's when I get into my book when I talk about uh, Rebecca's womb, you know, that she had the twins, the hairy one and the other one. And of course, through manipulation, she got the Birthrights change, but a twin—one could be so different than the other. Well, I found out one ever four hundred twins can be fathered, are fathered by two different men, and that's interesting. So, if aliens are messing around with the genome, and I do one hundred percent believe they have, and they are, and they did, they can do all that stuff. We have the technology nowadays to do that. Now, in the seventies, we didn't, and we didn't even consider something like this. But as my studies go on, and as I research this further and further, I realize. A lot of things can happen. It's just trying to understand it is all people need to do. There's a term called cognitive dissonance, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard that term. Mental con- mental conflict that occurs when beliefs or assumptions are contradicted by new information. And that's what we run into, and that's what people have. You only can work with what your brain's been taught. <laughs> and unfortunately, your brain fills in the holes when you see something strange or says it's not real, one or the other. So you think about that a little bit, we've been brainwashed by what we've been taught. I just encourage people who are listening to this now to check things out. Also understand that all governments, this is kind of off the base a little bit but not too much because I'm going to get into the bible here, but all governments change their narrative how they want to control people. I say that because there are some terms and Trust me, my Bible is the source, but there's been governments during those transitions in the Bible, and uh, they, they might change the narrative, like the word God sounds singular in so many places, but it is plural, and not just in Genesis, but uh, it goes on, and if you research, I got into what really turned me a little bit, too, is I got in, I got some Hebrew translators, and I started translating uh, some of the words in the Bible. I found out the word you know where it says in the New Testament? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the heavens. Yes. If you look for the uh, word camel, the word camel is spelled exactly the same in the Old Testament as the word rope. So, what was they were they really translating the word camel, or did they really mean rope? Well, to me, it makes more sense a rope through the eye of a needle than a camel. And I'm just saying that because it makes you start researching more and. Uh, And encourage people to research some of this stuff and open their minds up to what what was really being said there, because uh, translators uh, often—I shouldn't even say—I won't even say what I'm thinking. They make mistakes and they do things. If you if you don't look deeper and deeper and deeper, and you don't have to, you can be saved just by trusting what Christ told us. He said, "Trust in me, trust in what He says." Read the red letter edition. What was He saying? And he tells us how to get back to the oneness that we're supposed to be. God Absolutely. created us in our, he created us in his image. That, that means we're very special people. Aliens are not, There's something, but they're not what we are. We are unique. And I think we need to understand who we are made in God's image, as I said before. Trust in that. And people say, well, weren't you scared up there in these years? Well, you can't help but be a little concerned, but I also knew who I was as a Christian. I knew whose image I was made in and how I was supposed to be, nothing's going to bother me really. And, Amen. Uh, I've been up there by myself and had things happen. And that's, that's a little concerning. I want to use the word concerning instead of fearful. <laughs> 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 I had something yeah. happen in 2011. It's the last thing I wrote about in my first book, the voices in the wilderness. And it was, uh, one of them was out there. Wham, you hear this big knock and, uh, that's what they do. It's not like some bear stepping on a limb. It's says something huge. And it's a big pop. At the time, I thought it was a tree knock, which they do knock on trees rhythmically. But this was not rhythmically. It was just a big pop. I thought this was the daytime. afternoon. I'd gone inside in this little tent I set up because the mosquitoes were so bad and I waited for a few minutes because that's what they do to get your attention. They want to see what you can do. You're going to run out there with a gun or something to try to shoot, shoot this forced part. <laughs> what are you going to do? I went out a little, little later and started talking to it because I was there by myself. I shouldn't have done that, but I was up there by myself. I had a guy scheduled going with me and he backed out the last minute. So later that night, I heard some chattering going on. Didn't see a thing. I started talking to someone. I said, Whatever you are, come out. I just want to know more about you. I want to understand more. I want to know, know more. Nothing happened. I go back in my tent, check my my little tape recorder. Got all set with my brand new lithium battery in there. Everything's ready to go. 10 o'clock at night, I hear this chattering going on. And it's a big bit. That's what they do. They chatter amongst themselves. And then right outside this little tent, I had just something walking around, bipedal, just tra- tra- like a 2 fake legged elephant walking around me out there. And, and all I, I tried to turn my tape recorder on. The battery's dead. <laughs> I tell you, they have a way of draining your batteries, and they've done this before, so up there before, too. They, there's an energy thing going on with them. I think they require energy, do what they do, because I think they have an attribute which makes them interdimensional. And I say interdimensional because we live in three dimensions, according to quantum physics. The mathematics of quantum science says there's at least 11 dimensions existing. We live in only three. So that tells you that there's something else going on we can't see. And we don't know about people talk about these things disappearing. Well, how they do that, I think they do it through the vocal mechanism, which is very expansive. I mean, it's much, much more unique than ours. And I think they can create a frequency that might get their, their vibrational uh, mass converted into energy only. Because, as, as at our most minute existence of every human being, we are energy vibrating at a frequency. And that's, that's the way it is. Now, if you can change that frequency, you can change matter. These things have learned somehow to manipulate frequency, and uh, I think. And this is all my opinion based on my experience with these things. And that's what makes a little bit of what I have to say a little bit different than most researchers because I've had so much encounters around these things. And they, they are existing. They're out there what they're here for i have my opinions on that too but we've gone for hours like this <laughs> i've been doing and i get excited i'm sorry but i do because uh, this I'm, is,
1: I'm right there with you i'm right there we're with in you.
0: a unique time rod i mean it's just a unique yes. time uh are on the verge of collapsing uh, you got people out of work you got things going on that they're that very unique to this this time linear time we're in and that that's Pretty much fallen falling into prophecy, so I think we ought to be paying attention again. Who we are as humans, get ourselves ready, put your armor on, be ready because something's going to
1: happen there. I I definitely agree. Wow, that was that was a plethora of information. That's that's phenomenal.
0: I was religiously in a church, and I, I I've been pretty much tuned into scriptures and been pretty much there. I was a, the administrator of a large church for, for a long time until. All of a sudden things, you know, the church is a structure and there's nothing wrong with that. Good people go there, good-hearted people they love, they care. But a lot of them aren't teaching spirituality, they're just teaching religion. And we are spiritual beings at our most minute level. What well, one man calls God, another man calls quantum physics. Now that's not me saying that, Nikola Tesla saying that. And that's interesting. Yeah.
1: And Albert Einstein mentions, what is it, a spooky.
0: The action at a distance, yeah. Yeah,
1: and that's interesting too.
0: Yeah, Look, looking into that deeper is so important because you realize how things can change with our thoughts. <clears throat> Einstein, said nothing, nothing, Einstein said nothing can go faster than light. That's kind of the proof that's been accepted. But There's something that can go faster than light, and that's our thoughts. Our energy can go faster than light because it's a thought. And and you see how electrons can couple together over distances throughout eternity really and they will change and and uh, anyway you've you got to look into that for yourself because it's just too complicated for me to try to explain in this program but it's really really interesting how that can happen <laughs> and how we can change things with our thoughts and our belief system because once you can conceive it in your heart and by the way your heart's the biggest energy source in your body Your heart's in coherence with your brain. You're going to do the right thing. That's why the Spirit of God will lead you in all righteousness. You will do the right thing. You'll feel it. You'll know it. That's not to be ignored. Your heart's very important, but it's got to be in coherence with your brain.
1: Very interesting. I know um, the scripture comes to mind as you were saying that, where we see Jesus is healing people. He says, according to your faith, it's done to you. You know, there and faith are. is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of things unseen. When we have faith, it can move a mountain, as described here in the Holy Scriptures. When the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, "Well, which one is the greatest commandment?" He says, "Love the Lord your God with all your mind, oh. your heart, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself." And all the rest of the commandments fall in place. When we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are literally taking ourselves off the pedestal and loving. Our brothers and sisters. And that's unique because I believe love is the greatest force on the face of the earth. Just like the scriptures lead on to tell us, love overcomes all things, is patient, is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, doesn't demand. When God says, Look, meditate in my word to be washed and made new. By the Scriptures to be transformed in the renewing of our mind. You know, when we're talking about the Word of God here, there's power in the name of Jesus, and there's power in His Word. I've had quite a number of supernatural encounters.
0: Well, I could say this: the core of of what you just talked about, and the core of what I'm into is is love, and caring, and having compassion. That raises your vibrational frequency to uh, to elevate you and to evolve. That's what we got. That's what we're here for: to respond to things. Positive nature, and uh, if you if you gripe about things and get ticked off at people for different reasons, and don't forgive and don't have compassion, you're not helping yourself. You're not helping them. You're not really doing anything for anything. In fact, you're lowering yourself. My 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 word to people is: know who you are as a human being made in the image of God. Know that love is the key and the core to everything, and caring and compassion. And if you've got that going in your life, you're going to be a winner. And uh, just uh, realize that we are humans, and we're made with egos, but you got to learn how to tether the ego so it doesn't control you. You can't be after everything just makes cardinal sense to you. You've got to go by your feelings of your heart, the inner side. Make sure that heart is in coherence with your brain. It's rhythmically working right. Again, you do that through just being still. Be still and know that I'm God. I've heard that before. And uh, that's... That's what I got to say, because it's just uh, important, I think, to realize how important love and compassion is to get yourself where we need to be. And that's what Christ taught.
1: Very well said.
0: As one statement, let me make one statement. Doctor Edgar Mitchell said, "He said there are no unnatural or supernatural phenomenon, only very large gaps in our knowledge of what is natural. We should strive to fill to close those gaps of ignorance." And really, there's People want to separate spirituality and, and real life and just go to church on Sunday. Well, no, you got to keep it all together. We're spiritual beings, whether you like it or not, better make the most of it while you're here.
1: Ron, it's been a pleasure. I really hope I can have you back for a part two. Well, thank I, you, Ron. Fan.
0: Well, let me know when, and uh, we'll we'll make it happen. I love it.
1: Ron, where can people find you?
0: Now, I have a website, ronmorehead.com. It's M O R E H E A D 1 uh, email me. Uh, I have I get emails every day, and I'd love to respond to people's questions if they want to know more or know what I think. Because it's really what I think. It's not. You can't say you know. You can only say what you think you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, my books are available on Amazon.com. They're also available on my website. I suggest my website, that's RonMoorehead.com again, or BigFootSounds.com.
1: Well, that's it. That's the show, everybody. I really hope you guys enjoyed this. If you found this episode to be helpful in any way, you learned something new, found it captivating, or just entertaining, share it with a friend. Coming to you from Southeastern Pennsylvania. God bless America. Hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show's over. All right, listen, I'll tell you what, share this with a friend.